In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Welcome to see you next week in space. <laughs> nope, just me. Don't worry uh, about anyone else. Just say hello to me. <laughs> um, Sarah Walsh here with Amy Walsh as Peruge, my sister and co-host. Um, and so now I've gotten that out of the way. Check. Um, <laughs> to dive into the opening question, uh, this was a question I don't think I've asked you before, and I'm surprised based on some of the things we've already discussed, but... Mm-hmm. What's your take on life-size toys? Ah, <laughs> uh, that is a, that is a good question. Um, I would generally, uh, I feel like it depends. Like, do I want them in my house? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them living in my house. Do I find them um, fun to? look at yes are interesting um there's a crazy halloween house for example in our neighborhood and they have all life-size shit on their porch and it's crazy and it looks great it's scary but the thought of their basement the rest of the year (laughs) is nightmare fuel you know like i could never go down there um is there a difference between a life-size doll that looks like a human thing or something sort of human adjacent and like a life-size like gorilla for example yes a hundred percent okay yes so a human adjacent definitely worse yeah I think right I mean (laughs) because we have even in our basement for example we have some cardboard cutouts and depending on their they've been placed in one area for a long time so I'm used to it but if Isaac ever moves them or like <laughs> I, in the past like there is a certain placement where every time I turned around I would jump like it, so <laughs> not not great I don't like human adjacent human sized things yeah I, there was a scene in, do you um no no I don't okay. um and I think I can categorically say well I understand why people make kind of like big size life-size toys i do understand yeah why that's a thing i yeah. personally could be fine if none of them of any type existed i mean it's always what like horror stuff is made of right like i've there's a goosebumps where like a life-size doll turns into like evil yeah and when i say life-size in that sense like there is there's a couple different like life size right. things. Right, it could be like the size of a child. Child, li- right. right, right. And I do feel like they do that a lot with dolls, and I can see why that's 
appealing to a child to have like a doll that's I mean, actually, it's a little bit sad, but like a doll that's sort yeah, of like, it's like your why friend. can't you have a friend? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> it's actually like a little bit human. depressing. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a I know there's a creepy Alfred Hitchcock presents or something where it's like also because life size doll always invites the possibility of can you get trapped inside the doll. And like, ooh, I wasn't even going you there. Because like, if it's a possessed doll, like an Annabelle or something, right? Like, what if Annabelle's spirit goes into you, and then she traps you in her body? Although I don't think Annabelle is life size; oh. she's just a. Possessed she's not life size. She's just creepy as fuck. No matter what size she is, the, but yeah, ooh, dolls. I mean, I'll be on. Let's be honest. Like, and life size or not, dolls have a creep factor they do it's the eyes i want to say it usually is the eyes especially like baby dolls that's eyes <gasps> do the like yeah, where the you, close yeah, and open thing i really hate that i've always hated that and they make the little clicky sound it's like yeah click, click yeah it's not great yeah i mean i think what it is ultimately is very similar to when we've discussed varying types of robots or androids and what we're like most comfortable with it's because mm-hmm. they look a bit human in some sense but they're not human and right so and especially like because i could do i could do okay with like a life-size teddy bear oh i don't i have a (laughs) i already have a i'm having a visceral reaction to that that is very negative oh okay a life-size uh I don't know. I can't think of anything. Just else. an animal um, of some sort. You're like an animal. That's yes, fine. a life-size stuffed animal seems a lot less. Yes, um, I agree. Menacing. I agree. But yeah, like, and there was there was a scene in this one, early on, where the character goes down into his basement, and Ooh. it was just like full of like big it's the guy it's the halloween house guy in my house in my neighborhood that's what his basement probably looks yeah, like yeah and it was like you know big raggedy ann big oh, like not good. you know that and i was just like i don't no 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 we don't like that um no. so no, categorically that's a no for me right so this is a fun setup to what we're talking <laughs> about this week. So, Amy, why don't you tell our fair listeners what we will be discussing today? So and also, we, Merry Christmas still. The Christmas season rolls on here at See You Next Week in Space. <laughs> and will it will in my world for another three or four months. Um, <laughs> you so act like it's kind of always happening. So Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I put up Christmas lights today. I don't plan on taking them down at any point. Cool. Um, <laughs> so um we are talking about an episode of wonder woman i don't know if it has like a separate like tagline name because there's like different iterations of the wonder woman yes. shows and stuff this this um, season this is now kind of three seasons are locked in as one and it's just called wonder woman but technically at the time seasons two and three were like separate quote unquote and they were called the new adventures of wonder woman oh okay uh, and the episode we're watching is called deadly toys season two episode 12 though actually the when I, where i watched it it was season three episode 12 so i don't Weird. know but yeah i because I, I was like season two episode 12 i went to it and i was like this stupid app doesn't have it um <laughs> 
Anyway, and it aired on December 30th, 1977. Yeah, so it is um, weirdly going to appear after Christmas, but it is their Christmas episode that year. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had a little mis- miscommunication uh, planning there. <laughs> or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I guess we can start with that first. Um, the So the show... That I am just calling Wonder Woman, but it is, as I said, made up of these three seasons, runs from 75 to 79. The first season of the show is set in the 1940s because that's when the comics were set originally. Um, Oh, I didn't see. And just like full disclosure, I know nothing about the Wonder Woman canon story comic, nothing. Like, it's one of those ones. I mean, I'm not, like, a big superhero person, but I feel like just by osmosis, I know a fair bit about Superman, Spider-Man, and, like, lots of the Marvel universe. This Wonder Woman, I realize I know nothing about. Yeah, that's probably because of sexism, I assume. Um, (laughs) Not, like, specifically of yours, but, like, the... My sexism. I was like, (laughs) I hear it's about a woman. I shan't watch it. (laughs) Good use of shan't. Um, Thanks. So, like, yeah. So, and I don't know much about the comics or her very much either, but I did do, like, a little bit to know kind of the world that we're dealing with. So, um, the first season of the show takes place in the 1940s and is very kind of, I think, directly inspired by the comics. Okay. Um, Mm. And then, so, and I think there's also a studio change. Like, I think... The first season mm. was, like, CBS, and then the following two seasons were ABC or something mm. like that. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And part of the reason, and so, like, the first season is very origin story, like, and that's why it also very okay. closely hues to what the comics set out, um, because we mm-hmm. follow Diana, who is um, a princess. Uh, she's an Amazon princess. Um, oh, not Amazon, like the thing that will slowly ruin all of humanity. <laughs> no, um, she's a princess from the store Amazon. <laughs> well, let's face it, maybe not far into the future. That will be what yeah, people think. We will have monarchs, and it will be the Bezos family oh. of some persuasion. Yikes! Um, but here we're talking about Amazons from uh, Greek mythology. For those of you who mm-hmm. are into that. Um, and originally, and this is what I'm going to say, so if you watched, uh, the more recent Wonder Woman movies, you would call Mm -hmm. where Diana is from, um, what is it called? It's got a funny name that I'm not sure how to pronounce. Oh, so, uh, now people know her island, uh, as Themyscira, I think is how it's pronounced. It's Greeky, so I'm not totally sure. Okay. Um, but okay. at the time, um, which is to say the 1970s, and this is based on the original set of comics, uh, she mm-hmm. was understood to be from a place called Paradise Island, um, but still, okay. still Greek inspired. It's still all that. It's just mm-hmm. they called it Paradise Island. And so the mm-hmm. first season was about her coming to our present or to our world um, in okay. the context of World War Two. Um, and it was, I guess, very well received, but basically the feeling was that this was this period piece thing, and so it was mm-hmm. much more expensive 
and involved yeah. to do. And so when it was when it switched studios and got retooled, it was like we're gonna make her be in the seventies. Um, gotcha. And what's interesting about uh, the relationship between this TV show and what has become canon about Wonder Woman, as far as I can tell, is that mm-hmm. the comics laid out some things, but quite a lot of what's become canon is also as a result of this show. So, oh, interesting. So I don't think Wonder Woman was maybe as fully fleshed out as some other characters were, um, okay. you know, from comic background stuff. Uh-huh. And so, like, the the argument as to why we're using, and in the show, it's Linda Carter playing Wonder Woman in all three seasons. Mm-hmm. So they were like, well, mm-hmm. how can we explain that she was in the 40s and she looks beautiful, and now she's in the <laughs> 70s and she looks beautiful and exactly the same? Because um, her name is Wonder Woman. Right. It's a wonder. We don't have to care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, it, who the fuck cares? But um, Yeah, it's a comic book right. or it's a, you right. know, superhero. Um, but the explanation is is that um, Amazonians from Themyscira uh, age more slowly than we do. And that okay. is why... Much more slowly, much I would say. Much more slowly. <laughs> like, very much more slowly. Like, a totally different type of timeline Indeed. slowly. Indeed. And so, in these more latter seasons, set in the 70s, uh, Diana mm-hmm. Prince works for the Interagency Defense Command, um, which is in the United the States. CIA? It's mm. kind of vaguely CIA, FBI yeah. adjacent, and as... Um, Wikipedia explains the organization is responsible for fighting crime, espionage, and the occasional alien invasion. So, you know, they just kind <laughs> Which of... Which is where we come in. <laughs> yeah, they kind of got a lot going on for them. Yeah, that's a lot to um, take on. So the other thing that is worth mentioning is that the character of Wonder Woman um, was also, again, created in the... Uh, maybe in the 30s, but then like the comics are mostly in the 40s, um, by the American psychologist and writer William Moulton Marston um, and under a pen name of Charles Moulton. And that that name is credited in the in this series hmm. as the person who created the character. Um, hmm. And the artist... So he creates the character in that he's like, there's this woman, she's called Diana Prince, she's done blah, blah. But then the person who's responsible for creating the appearance of Wonder Woman is an artist called Harry G. Peter. Um, and basically, th- there's also movies and documentaries about this guy because mm-hmm. um, he was in a thruple back before it was oh, cool, interesting. I guess. Um, back before it was cool. <laughs> I mean, I feel like people are still a little bit intimidated by that. But yes, it's more in the zeitgeist. Right. Um interesting yeah so wait are you saying like in the 30s he was yes or well in the, in the 20s whoa that it that was progressive yeah so he so marston's wife is elizabeth they get married i want to say in the 19 teens um mm-hmm. and then um this third person called olive Byrne uh mm-hmm. comes into their life in like i I'm almost positive it's 1925, but it's like mid 20s. Um, okay. <clears throat> and they, she obviously can't be married to either one of them, um, mm-hmm. but she 
remains in the home um, because Elizabeth also has a career. I can't remember exactly what she does. She's maybe also a writer. Um, mm-hmm. So basically the arrangement is, is that um, William Marston remains being a psychologist and a writer. Elizabeth Marston does pursues her career and Olive mm-hmm. Byrne um, takes care takes of the kids or something. Yeah. And there are four children uh, as a result mm-hmm. of this uh, combination of people Two uh, are Elizabeth's biological children and two are Olive's. Um, Very interesting. And uh, so the both Olive and Elizabeth are also early kind of first wave feminists. Um, mm-hmm. And that is part of why Marston was inspired to create this female superhero. Because, of course, we by now we have already seen Superman, various other types come out. And it was like, there needs to be a female character of similar... Well, good for him then, of, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there's back and forth, I guess, supposedly... Wonder Woman's appearance is inspired a bit by both how Elizabeth and Olive looked, you know, in their youth. Um, okay, so they wore, like, little bathing suits with the yes, little crown around their head? of course they did, <laughs> naturally. Because um, that's just an average look that you would always yeah. have. Um, yeah. I think what they mean is, like, that she's this raven-haired beauty and like yeah, that kind with of... with light <laughs> eyes and stuff. I mean, Linda Carter is striking in this. I, I will know, say that much. I hadn't seen her like in something in a very long time and the whole time I was like is she the most beautiful woman she's like, gorgeous I mean the seen? blue eyes with the dark hair yeah the blue eyes with the dark hair is an is yeah. an awesome and she's got, like, combination ridiculous legs like just legs oh her legs like, her legs are great her hair was great yeah yeah it yeah. was all and working got, I actually thought she looked cute in those glasses that were horrible I know I like every outfit she wore in this I was like <laughs> oh, come on. If I could only wear, like, a pantsuit the way she... And, like, look so fucking great in it. My God. Um, and she yeah. had this really dope, like, green velvet blazer at one point, And I was mm. just like, God damn you. Um, yeah, she and she did the great, like, I mean, and I know that this is, like, part of it, but she did the great uh, duality of, like, the kind of, like... <laughs> Annie Hall look when she's right. her like serious right and then the like vixen look when she's Wonder Woman right right um and so I think that's also that helps us to understand why this character was let's say kind of pulled from the original content of comics in the mid-70s because yeah. it was all re- it already explored a lot of things about female power and early mm-hmm. concepts coming out of first wave feminism, and it's right in the midst of second wave feminism that it's you know mm-hmm. being returned to and explored. So that makes sense. Um, th- I'll also mention, in, in a way that like the series then kind of in- affects the overall canon. It was Linda Carter herself who came up with the idea that she would be able to spin around and then transform into Wonder Woman's <laughs> whole outfit and deal. Um, that's cute which then got put back into the comics uh Mm. after it appeared in that way um cute so let's and i'll also just briefly um say the imdb description of this particular episode Mm -hmm. 
Three scientists are replaced by androids one by one after they collectively refuse to create a devastating weapon known as Project XYZ. When Diana Prince investigates a suspicious toy maker, she meets face to face with, quote, or no, ellipses, Wonder Woman. And you said you didn't understand this plot. Like, okay. what more is there to understand? I, no, I, under <laughs> I understand the plot, but it, that, like, that, that actually now, what I, what I was not struggling with, that's way too, I didn't care, but like, does Diana know she's Wonder Woman? Yes. And vice versa? Yes. Yes. Oh. I was confused Because I felt by like that. there were scenes where they yes. didn't, where they were acting like they'd never seen each other before. And the fact that they were both in the same place. I was confused. I, I was confused a bit by that at first. And, and when we get there, I'll explain I, what. Yeah, yeah, I think I might have missed some other. I might have been, like, not watching close enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's start with our title, titular character, Diana Prince slash Wonder Woman, played by, as we've already said, the exceptionally beautiful Linda Carter. Gorgeous. Um, and she was 26 when this episode came out. What I didn't... Also makes sense she was very, very young. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know, but what, as we've always said... Um, She's 26. She looks great. But, like, I would have said she was 36 based on how that's true. I mean, today. 20. Like, that's true. Like, she but just, not because she looks bad. No. Like, there is not, like, it's not not because of wrinkles, but she's, it seems so much more mature mm -hmm. than 26 now just feels so much more like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't know. want a 26 year old <laughs> fighting any type of crime. Oh, uh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> um no or having like this amount of responsibility like I no just, and i don't think any 26 year olds would want that i hope i not. don't want that i know <laughs> um so one of the things i didn't know is she's actually latina um her mom hmm. is uh of mexican heritage and okay. um she's from texas i want to say so uh hmm. she originally did some like country singing and various things okay and she also... I could see that. The pageants you wrote down, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. She would have probably cleaned up at pageants. Yeah, I um, could see that for sure. And then from then, uh, from that kind of trajectory, she got into acting. And very quickly, unsurprisingly, because of like just sheer beauty and like probably decent skill, but like beauty for sure. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. Like, And I don't say that to diminish what she's done. I'm just saying like... Yeah. Some, no, she is striking to look at, yeah. and I mean, she and people want the camera loves her. her, like you yeah. know, and and I would say that equally of any number of male actors as well. So it's the not, camera really like there are some people that just the camera loves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's she is one of those. I would say for sure. So she only does a couple things, like some one-off TV roles before getting Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. and then of course that puts her on the scene and after that basically it seems like her career is just a lot of tv movies um mm -hmm. i have to assume where it's just like we need someone who looks beautiful like can you be that got it you know <laughs> and she's like yeah i can 100 percent do that role she's like yeah i'm good um i personally had kind of forgotten this even though i watched super tubers original just like fairly recently she has a kind of small cameo in both the original Super Troopers and Super Troopers 2, which is pretty funny. Hmm. Um, she's also done a fair bit of voice work for different video games. 
Mm. Um, and then she also has appeared as um, a female president of the United States in the CW Supergirl series. Oh, fun. Um, okay. Yeah, and she also has um, a smallish role in the current Wonder Woman movies where she plays a character oh. called Asteria. Okay. So her life uh, seems pretty good. She's one of those good. ones... Yeah, she's done well. She's one of those ones, though, that's funny. Like, she obviously is very familiar to me, and I know that name. But, like, I definitely never watched Wonder Woman before, and none of that other stuff is stuff that I've watched. So I don't really know what I know her from. Yeah, she's just one of those people who, again, like, um, even though her career could be described as maybe middling at best, Mm -hmm. um, she is a true celebrity and star. Yeah. Like, that's just... Who's to say? Um, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. So then we next have Colonel Steve Trevor Jr. Um, and this is because of this time jump that happens in the show. There's Colonel Steve Trevor original in the first season and then Jr. in seasons two and three, played by the same actor who is Lyle Wagoner, um, okay. who was 42 when this episode aired. Um, and Steve Trevor is also, he's like a main character in the comics, and he's in the movies. Um, I think Chris Pine plays him in the mo- in the newer movies, I want to say. Okay. Um, but okay. he's like Diana's right-hand man. Um, in varying iterations, it's like sometimes they fall in love and sometimes they don't. Sort of depends on kind of which yeah. set of storylines you want to do. Um, but I was pleased to learn that in the context of this series... There was never any, like, will-they-won't-they they tension. It was always, like, we're colleagues, and that's, like... Colleagues. And friends. I do like that. Um, so, he's kind of an interesting guy as well. Uh, he began his career in acting as the announcer for the Carol Burnett show. Um, oh. And he did that for about seven years. And as hmm. they realized that he actually had talent he got incorporated into more skits as well um oh cool he i thought it's funny because like his um biography on imdb talks quite a lot about like how ruggedly handsome he was and i was sitting there and i was like do i even remember what he looked like i'm not sure i was so bold I honestly over by don't. his looks <laughs> i'm i can tell you like 1000 percent. i can't remember any of the men in this show fair um, but apparently at the time he was very much sought after because he was the first semi-nude centerfold in those 19 and the 1973 issue of Playgirl. Okay. What is semi-nude for a man? I have to assume that means shirtless because if it's bottomless. That is considered, well, yeah, if it's bottomless, that is nude, I feel like. <laughs> and... But but semi nude in terms of like a shirtless doesn't even seem semi nude to it for a That's man to me. Maybe That's maybe just a butt. Oh yeah, maybe he showed his butt. That sounds more accurate. You're probably right. Because a centerfold that's just like a man without a shirt is kind of like <laughs> boring, <laughs> right? Isn't it? I mean, I know, but that's the whole thing. This is again back to sexism. I'm like maybe like that they hadn't even had. Any, like, that this was the first one, and it was 1973, like, yeah, seems kind of nuts. And I feel like probably people back then were just like, I don't know, 
women probably mostly just like seeing men shirtless or something. And it's like, I guess, I guess that's what's, I mean, okay. We don't need to get into it, but like, I, (laughs) Oh oh God, there's so much, but I feel like, but I do feel like if the target audience is women, right. I do think that, um, the, what's left to the imagination is sometimes better than like, Having sure. it all in your face, if sure. you know what I'm saying. Uh, you're talking about his dick, and I do know what you're <laughs> saying. <laughs> I just mean that, like, I do feel like in a very generalized sense that men like things thrown in their face, and women might prefer a little bit of mystery. <laughs> right. I mean, what I was going to say is even now, in 2021, um, the kind of pornographic industry or like still struggles to deliver yeah. something that most quote unquote most women would want, right? Like, right. Um, it seems like because it should be produced by women. I mean, I, I, well, it's a, there's even, a whole level it's just, of yeah. But so it, I don't know. When I saw that, I was like semi nude. But semi nude is a very funny thing for a man because it really doesn't. I don't know entirely what it means, but I think you're right. It yeah. has to be. But it's got to be a butt thing, yeah. I think. I mean, because we yeah. are going into, I know you also listen to How Did This Get Made, and you so you've surely heard them talk about buns. Oh, where does the butt start? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buns. I'm, and I mean, we could get into it. I don't need, I don't, I'm not that big a fan of buns. I don't right. care for it. Doesn't, but it was like, like, I feel like this is, but they, and that also doesn't seem inherently sexual to me either. Not like, particularly, do you know no, what I mean? No. Like, everybody's got a butt. It's one, like, <laughs> Like, and I know that, like, and I know that, like, everybody's got a lot of things, but, like, I don't, there's just something, like, kind of, yeah. it's like, it's a butt, like, I it's know. not that exciting. I know, but, like, yeah, because to me, like. Like, there could be a nice butt versus a not-so-nice right. butt, but then it's just still like, oh, that's a nice butt, that's, like, that's as far as. <laughs> that's where your thought process ends. Yeah, um, kind of. But, like, yeah, we're right in that window of time where buns become, like, Cause that's true. Definitely by the eighties, it's super like, that's clearly yeah. what women want to see. Is <laughs> <laughs> or that's what they assume women well, want to yes, see. I it's guess the I would say. One for sure. Yeah. Um, and men were like, I'm happy to show it. So enjoy. They're like, ladies. here it is. <laughs> I did some squats. Check it out. Um, so then he's, so he is on this show. He leaves, uh, Carol Burnett and 74, then gets this show um, then he does a whole bunch, a whole bunch of TV appearances on things that you would expect, especially in the eighties, things like Love Boat okay. and Fantasy Island. Um, mm. and something called Danger USA, which I'm like, I wish Yikes. I knew what that was all about. <laughs> um, but the thing that I thought was kind of surprising is all throughout his biography, there is this feeling that he was like, quote unquote, too handsome to hmm. be taken I don't remember seriously. anyone in this show that looked too handsome. <laughs> Literally, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know entirely who writes these bios in the first place. Um, he wrote it. He was like, I was just too that's, handsome. That's what it was. Uh, it had nothing to do with whether I was good at acting or anything. I was just too I was too just handsome. too hot. They couldn't handle it. I mean, it. it is, I do understand that people get typecast, men and women sure. both, of like, we just can't believe You're the pretty you one. as anything but yeah. this. And that's yeah. a bummer for sure. And probably is limiting. It is a bummer. Like It is a bummer. I will say, though, like, I do have trouble, like, sympathizing with that. <laughs> like, I like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
I, like, I get it, but I've heard, like, Jessica Biel has said this before, too. I feel like she's said that where she's like, I didn't get this role because I'm too pretty. Right. And while, like, I want to be, you know, supportive of people right. and, you know, inclusive of all experiences, like, a part of me wants to be like, well, boo fucking who. Right. Like, it I'm seems like a very pretty. champagne problem. He really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's his his vibe is that. Yeah. Um, then next we have a character called Orlick Hoffman, um, mm-hmm. played by Frank Gorshin, who's 44. Um, I've, during watching this, I was like, have I seen this guy before? What do I know him hmm. from? But then when I looked hmm. at all of his credits, I was like, I guess I don't know this guy. I just thought... Are you afraid of the dark, maybe? Yeah, but, like, he was quite a lot older that, by then. And I don't... What, I wonder what he played in that. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't remember n- recognizing anybody else. Yeah, he. but he's um, someone who's, like, done a tr- like so much stuff. He has 146 hmm. credits on IMDb. But most kind of relevant to this uh, show we're talking about, he originated the role of the Riddler on the Batman TV series in the 60s. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Then we have Major Dexter, played by John Rubenstein, who was 31. And this one, this guy, immediately, I was like, I've seen this guy. I could not tell you where from. Um, Yeah, is he the... I feel like there was one guy like that, too, and I can't remember if this was him or not. Uh, since you were, like, having facial blindness for all the men in this, I'm I not really, really was. Sure. Like, I really was. Like, explain. when you say all their names, I'm like, I have no idea which one that was. Um, um, yeah, I immediately continue. was like, I've seen this guy. I just could not figure out. And then what I realized um, is that I have to have seen him in multiple was, things. Wait, there was one person that I feel like I looked up and it said they were in Murder, She Wrote, and I was like, oh, Sarah must know this one. I, I mean, it could but be. But I don't know. Because um, he mm. has the longest IMDb, well, first, he has 224 IMDb credits. Then, mm. on top of that, he has the longest IMDb bio I have ever read. He also wrote that. Yeah. When they're long like this, I'm like, this is I feel like in- someone that they know yeah, wrote it or yeah. they wrote and it. And it's always... Here's my also learning from this podcast. The more famous you are, the shorter your bio is. Yeah, because people are like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in his case. What do you think? Meryl Streep needs to tell you, like, like everything thousand. she's ever done? Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. In this case, um, what I thought was interesting about him is that his father was a concert pianist. Um, and so he also grows up learning music. And so John Rubenstein also is a composer himself and Hmm. has scored a number of movies, uh, in addition to acting and stuff. Um, he also originated the role of Pippin on Broadway. Yes. Oh, this guy. Okay. Sorry. I just looked him up. Yes, he was so much younger in this, though, than yes. what I recognize him like now, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But he's definitely been in stuff I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's equally kind of theater and TV and movies all throughout his career. Um, so mm-hmm. he does Pippin stuff. Then he, got, he received a Tony for his role in Children of a Lesser God. Um, hmm. Then he's, yeah, he's just like, one-off TV spots starting in the late 60s and then continuing into the present. Um, 
And as you'll see, my final note is he's been in like everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm literally looking through his murder. He was on Murder, she yeah. wrote. Yeah. Um, Frasier, NYPD Blue, Party of Five. Yeah. Like, I mean, just in every era he was in. Everything. ER. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The West Wing. Jesus Christ. He's literally been Star in Trek. everything. <laughs> he has been this is in wild. everything. <laughs> Friends. That's probably what I recognize him from. Um, wow. Jesus. He's been in Criminal Minds. There it is. That's what I recognize him from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, not surprising. Holy crap. Yeah. His 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 filmography is crazy. Yeah. So that's the people we need to know to move forward in this episode. Oh, he was also in the Orville. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm, yes. Oh, you, did you say that? I didn't say it, but I, like, yes, oh. I recognize him. I just will keep, I'm just keep, I'm going to keep saying everything he was in. But then we're going to be here for like 47 hours because he has been I know, I got through, I got through it. Amy. I got through it. I got through all the stuff that I was going to call out. Um, okay. So let's begin the show. Now. Okay. I feel like it's important to say up top to remind people, because I found myself sort of forgetting this at points. This is the Christmas episode. This is Yeah, it's a little bit inspired by Christmas, this episode. Mm. <laughs> and I wouldn't have known that from the jump. No, I'll just say that. I don't think anyone would have. <laughs> um so opening cold open. Uh, we're in a conference room. There's a bunch of men sitting around a table. Uh, and there's a guy at the front, and he's talking about Project XYZ. What we learn as audience members is that um, Project XYZ is a weapon of some sort um, mm -hmm. and that the project is being terminated. Um but as this man who's standing at the head of the table, and I want to say he's in a white lab coat, so we really know he's a scientist. Um, <laughs> and he starts to, like, blink a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have to say, this was like, I, I laughed out loud at this. And then he literally starts melting down. Yeah, I think I said, like, what the fuck? Yeah, because, like, so... He's blinking a lot. Like, there's the actor who's playing this guy, and he's, the actor's blinking. Then we get, like, a mega close-up on <laughs> this blinking eyes face, per se. Like, yeah. it's obviously not this man's face, because then it, it starts, because yeah. first it's, like, his voice starts slowing down, like, when you are listening to a tape that is all messed up, and he's, like, whoa, right. whoa, whoa. And then... I don't think anyone listening has ever listened to a tape before. Or maybe they have because we only have, you know... It's either really old people who listen. Yes. <laughs> and I, There's nobody in the middle. And I can't explain tapes. I can't. Yeah. Um, but so... Anyway. He starts slowing down and then, then there's another close-up on this supposed face and it's melting away. And then what is left at the end is a pile of goo a pile on the table. of goo with a lab coat on it yep because somehow and some the, like the some buttons and shit. yeah like so the clothes that the android was wearing except for the lab coat all melted which is weird yeah you're right <laughs> yeah um and me and everyone who's and this is happening in front of like eight or nine people yeah, and they don't do a lot, if I as I recall. The only response at the end is someone says, 
it's an android. And I'm like, is that the first thing I... I guess I would assume that if a... You know, like... But, like, not even any... I mean, okay, they work for, like, CIA, and technically one of their things is, like, alien stuff, so maybe they're not as phased by anything. But I feel like I would have a stronger reaction to seeing that. Yeah, I think I probably would as well. I feel like I had a stronger reaction seeing it in the show. Yes, I was very <laughs> taken aback by this turn of events. Um, and and very, like, I think I'm already missing something plot-wise. Like, I was like, wait, did I, what's happening? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we bounce into the credits, which were, like, supremely, awesomely 1970s in, like, every single yeah, way. Yeah, did they, now question because i remember the theme song playing at the end of the show did it play at the beginning too with that wonder woman song wonder woman wonder woman all the world is waiting for you and the power you possess in your satin tights fighting for your rights This is what shows that I'm aging rapidly. Like, I miss (laughs) these credit sequences where it's like, there are only ever, you only need to do credits for like two people, but the thing goes on for three minutes. For a... (laughs) And, And it's like them, and it's like... I'm turning my head and my hair slips and then I smile. Yeah. And then and then there's a shot of me jumping out of a tank and then there's another shot of yeah. me sitting at a desk looking thoughtful. Like, um, yeah. I really love. We that really shit. just don't do credit sequences no, anymore. No, that there was like no. a collective decision at some point that it's like we just roll the credits as shit's happening. There might be like a little vignette of a thing, but like there's not maybe, credits but there's like definitely. No. And I do Some shows have kept... Yeah, a certain, like, older shows, you know, Law & Order has a credit sequence and stuff, but... That's just because they got that great theme song. They have to use it. Like, they can't. (laughs) They're like, sorry, guys. Like, yeah, no, they have to. They have no choice. (laughs) That's a requirement. That's legally mandated (laughs) by all of us. Um... (laughs) So then we arrive at the interagency defense. What is it? IADC interagency defense office. Mm-hmm. And Major Dexter, who they then throughout the rest of the show refer to as Dex, because mm-hmm. I think Dex and Steve are friends. Okay. Um. So Dex has he has been in the room where this guy melted, and so <laughs> mm-hmm. he's like getting Steve and Diana on the case to figure out what happened. And he explains that this weapon, Project XYZ, was being developed by three scientists, one of whom is this melted guy named Tobias. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are two others, Prescott and Lazar. And these are all their last names, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way these scientists designed the weapon is all three of them have to work together to have it be functional. Okay. And he also reveals that they had kind of mutually decided amongst the three of them that they were actually not going to consider, they weren't going to continue with this project, that they were not, mm-hmm. uh, that they, I guess, presumably they were like, this is too much death and destruction possibility. We're not going to continue. Um, 
So now that it's been revealed that Tobias has been replaced with an android, Dex's concern is that the other two scientists are going to be replaced with androids and that all three are going to be, like, kidnapped by, Mm -hmm. you know, like, rogue malevolent forces and then they're going to be forced Mm -hmm. to finish Project XYZ on their own. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, no, but yeah. I'm I'm just checking in with you because you said you had some concerns about plot understanding. So. Oh, no. I mean, I it was more about, like, the Wonder Woman versus oh, Diana okay. thing. Oh, okay, got it. Um, yeah. And then the final little bit of this scene is Dex asks, asks Diana out to dinner, um, which we get, I and I haven't watched any other episodes of this show, but, like, we get the impression that this happens to Diana quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. because she's beautiful, obviously. Um, and it's the seventies. So my understanding of dating in the seventies is like, you literally see someone who seems like physically attractive and you're like, want to go yeah. on a date? And people were like, yeah, now yeah, here sure. I will say, <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I'll, I'll go back a touch on my thing. I said before about pretty people, I could see how that would get really old. Like, especially like every if time a man sees you. Yeah. That like, that would get very tiresome. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. So apologies pretty people um and she very gracefully and graciously says no and i think yeah. steve even like she leaves the room and steve and dex are left there and he's like yeah um what were you thinking kind of like i see this happen to dudes every single fucking day oh. <laughs> like, she's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. And kind of also like she kind of it seemed like he was trying to intimate to dex like that's a that's a hard no she is not gonna change like don't yeah well good Um, for good for her yeah so then we go diana has said that she wants to go and investigate uh dr tobias's lab to see if there are any clues so we go to the lab we see before diana arrives there's this weird guy skulking around in the lab so like i don't know exactly like where this lab is but it seems like there needs to be more security if you're a third again of the people making like a world ending weapon right i feel like we went through this when we talked about my stepmother is an alien the security in some of these places seems quite lax indeed um so when diana shows up the man like threatens her with a knife which (laughs) that too i really am like oh that takes me back like that there's not even a gun anywhere in this. <laughs> that it's like a knife, and it's like a very small knife that he threatens her with, and then he kind of runs away. So Diana follows him because she assumes, probably rightly, that he is going to know information that she wants. And so this is when we see our first transformation of her into Wonder Woman, um, and she just spins around. She was in, like, normal 70s clothes, and then she spins around, and she's in the Wonder Woman whole confab, Um, which is a great look in general, but as always, there was something weird about the bottom of it that made it look kind of slightly matronly to me. At the cut of it, like, the cut of the suit... I, I kind of so. yeah, I know what you mean, but I kind I personally kind of liked it cuz it was it kind of maybe it's cut like a 40s swimsuit, maybe that's like Maybe. I mean, an homage to the 40s situation. I'm I don't know. I'm remembering that like it went like at the front there were like those 
kind of like triangular darts that went way high up, like above the top of her thigh. But then like the around the butt part seemed quite like modest. So it was just kind of a weird combo to me somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. But she still looked great in it. No, she still looked great. And especially those like triangular cuts of like showing to really make her leg look as long as it possibly could. I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, Yeah, that was well played. So then she catches up with him and she grabs him in her lasso of truth, which is a real thing from the comics. Wait, okay. I guess I also have questions about what Wonder Woman's powers are or like what her thing is. Well, so she ages real slow, but I'm not sure that counts as right a there. power. That's just like what she So is. but she has this lasso thing. That's part of her her deal. Yeah, and so like I think Wonder Woman is the type of superhero who doesn't have powers in the sense that like um Magneto can like control metal, right? Like she okay. is just a trained Amazon, so she's good at fighting. Um, okay. Amazons are biologically different from us, so she's stronger and she can, like, run longer. But it's not... Okay. But it's, I don't know if that counts as powers in the way that you yeah. are saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I get it. Like, she's... That's her. I got it. I got you. And then on top of that, she has certain items that because of this, like, Greek mythology things, these are, like powerful Thor's hammer but it's like yeah these are powerful items that like give her so like she has this lasso of truth which is when you are wrapped up in it you have to tell the truth you can't lie I love that yeah so she ropes this guy into her lasso and she starts saying like what are you doing here what are you trying to find blah 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 and the guy's like I can't tell you and she's like you have to it's she's like puzzled because she's like the lasso the law. tells you <laughs> like you have to he's like no I can't mm-hmm. answer I can't answer and then we see another literal meltdown um <laughs> where this people are melting s- left and right this man turns out to be an android um and again we get this like obligatory shot of like the remains of the guy yeah. Do you want to try and explain what the remains of this guy looked like? I don't know. No, I can't remember. Oh. I just remember. I remember the first guy specifically, That, but this one I don't remember specifically. This one I even wrote down because I was like, this is so silly because this time I think they have left one like little bit of clothing like they did in the last time, but it's really just like a puddle of goop <laughs> where whoever was in the like production department was like let's just also just throw some old like computer parts or like radio (laughs) components just like a motherboard on there it was like like just radio components like oh like weird wires and like um I don't even know how to describe it but it would be like a little plate of metal with like wires sticking out of it I I thought I did see what looked like the like someone had broken open an eight track cassette and like done stuff like that and I was like interesting that's what we think the insides of a very sophisticated android would be got it okay yeah perfect um then uh we go to this like random city street where Diana calls Steve on the car phone um to say to tell him about like the encounter she just had that there was this other android um Mm -hmm. 
And then, like, we also learn that what Steve has been doing this whole time is putting the two remaining scientists, like, under house arrest, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. And saying, like, you can't leave. And then also there's, like, various soldiers stationed around their homes so that they (laughs) will not be abducted. Um, And so Dex is there as well because I guess it's never totally clear to me, but I think what it is is, like, Dex works at the whatever agency that has been making Project XYZ. Okay. So that's why he's involved because he's there as well. Um, Okay. So they drive off. When they drive off, this yellow van pulls up onto the street. A guy comes out, and he says he's got a delivery, and the delivery is for one of these two remaining scientists. Um, Then we go up into the apartment building where the scientist named Dr. Prescott is there, and he's presumably only been sequestered in his home for one hour or less and he is really (laughs) hating it he is like climbing the walls and trying to be like why do I have to be here um but happily when he receives this delivery he's really jazzed about it because it's this delivery of toy soldiers um Mm. and this is like one of the seemingly Christmassy threads that runs through this is that the toy soldiers are a thing that all three of the scientists like to do. They like to play war games together. So they like all have toy soldiers throughout their homes. And this is Mm -hmm. also the way that the as yet unidentified baddies are able to like get into their (laughs) lives. Um, Okay. In the hallway outside of Prescott's apartment, There is um, a soldier stationed there to make sure no one gets in or comes out. And then a cute toy dog shows up. (laughs) What did you think of that toy dog? Um, I don't know. I didn't trust it. I thought it was super cute as a toy. Really? Yeah. I mean, I Yeah, I mean, I guess I liked toy... I guess I, I guess I liked it. And I actually had toy dogs that, that like did weird shit and were like battery operated and stuff when I was a kid. Like I did like those. I just didn't see why, like one of the annoying things about live dogs is when they bark and this thing was barking incessantly. And I was like, who would, I feel like toy dogs do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it's like automated and that's to show that we can do this. Um, so this little toy dog toddles up next to the soldier and shoots some kind of dart, if I remember correctly, <laughs> um, into the guard. And then the guard basically, like, he doesn't fall down, but you can tell he's, like, passed out. He's, he is not yeah. conscious of what is happening. Meanwhile, back inside the apartment, Dr. Prescott is shot by a different dart from a toy soldier that he's been playing with. Um, and then... He receives a phone call and walks out of the apartment kind of in a trance. And then as he's walking out of the hall, passing down the hall, a different door opens. And what do we see? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> a, a, diff- a man who looks exactly like 
Prescott, who just turned the corner, walks out of this door and then goes into the apartment. So you're like, oh, Oh. that's an android Prescott that has just been... So this is how they get replaced. Yes, yes, yes. The toy soldiers shoot a dart that makes you turn into a zombie that can walk around and do things. Um, Oh. And then you're... I may not have gotten all of that. Yeah, and then... (laughs) And so then once the the android replacement has gone into the apartment, then whatever weird chemical made the guard not notice, he wakes up. And and so he's okay. under the impression that nothing has changed. That's the yeah, whole okay. thing. Um, okay. Then we go to the toy store. And I will say what I enjoyed about this is there was no, like, um, there was no question that Hoffman was the bad guy. <laughs> like, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, who is this dude? Like, it was like, yeah, he's nuts. Um, right. And he's talking to... He was the toy guy who was like... Rah, rah, rah. Yeah, like, he was the toy the, guy. Yeah. He has a German accent. So, of course, in 1975, that's known, understood as being inherently menacing because he's probably yep. a Nazi. Yep. Um, in my handwritten notes, I said, he has very upsetting life-size toys... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> in his workshop. Yeah. Um, and he gets some sort of massive wooden box of a delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, huh, we don't know what that is, but I guess it will be revealed later. Um, okay. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Then there's this very weird scene that definitely didn't need to be there, but I'm only mentioning it because of, like, it's... It brings us slightly more into the sci-fi realm in addition yeah. to androids. So we're back at the interagency defense committee or whatever. But now we're in this mm-hmm. different room that's like a special type, specialty computer room mm-hmm. where both Steve and Diana sit around talking to a computer that they call Ira. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's... Uh, from the fact that the the computer is actually called the Information Retrieval Associative Computer. Okay. Um, and my understanding is, from that name and how they're using it, they use the computer to, like, talk over scenarios, and then the computer, mm. like, says, like, the likelihood of Me that is nay? this. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't think that's how computers work, but, you know. Not quite, but I might start trying to see if it Um, would. But what's interesting about this is, so Diana has been, like, you know, feeding information into Ira about what she's experienced. And then Ira, this presumably multi-million dollar government project to make this, like, interactive computer that sifts through evidence to tell you what's what. Um, he's like, well, why don't you go and ask the other scientists some more questions? And I was like, she couldn't come (laughs) up with that on her own? Seriously. Like, what the hell? Um, so then Diana goes to Dr. Prescott's home and starts asking him questions. Um, but he's acting very strangely. Uh, he keeps trying to kind of distract her by offering her tea and other kinds of things. Um, and in the process of offering her tea, he's put like a tea kettle on the stove and has turned on the burner. 
but then he mm-hmm. moves the tea kettle, or she does, and oh, then... Oh, right, I remember this. Yeah, say what happens. He puts his hand right on the burner, right? right. And she's like, uh, bro. And which, again, was like, that was a gag they did in My Stepmother the Alien. Oh, um, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. And then he was like, uh, what? Oh, that didn't hurt. And she's like, um, that's red hot. Right. And he was like, oh. And then he started blinking like crazy. Yeah, so. And she was like, oh, no. <laughs> I do love that, like, I'm going to look casual. I shall lean against this thing is, like, somehow, like, the international understanding of, like, this is what looking casual is like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in the process of that, he totally, if he were a human being, he would have burnt the shit out of his palm. Like, oh, my God. You would scream. Um, so she realizes he's an android. So then back at headquarters or whatever, um, she's like, yeah, so something has happened. Uh, we don't, no one seems to know how the switch was made, which is why this is bad, because we're not, right. now they have two of the three, and so, um, they decide that they need to check on the final, uh, scientist, a Dr. Lazar. Mm-hmm. So then they pop over to Dr. Lazar's apartment, um, they've actually gotten a doctor in to ensure that Dr. Lazar is still human. Um, mm-hmm. That he has not been replaced with an android. I'm not sure how you do that test, um, <laughs> but apparently that's worked out, and they haven't gotten to Lazar yet. Um, after that's been established, Diana asks Doctor Lazar a number of questions about Project X Y Z. Um, specifically, she's trying to f- like kind of flush him out and see uh, if he is still working on it. Uh, mm-hmm. If he's kind of I really like planning to sell to somebody else um and he says no I'm absolutely like we and none of us are like we made a pact we're not doing that um in the context of these questions Diana notices that Lazar also has toy soldiers in his house and Mm. she's like where did you get these and he tells her about this toy store. Now, it's as if there's only one toy store in this town. Um, well, only one toy store where you can get, like, life-size toy soldiers. Indeed. But the toy soldiers aren't <laughs> life-size. They're small. Oh, they're not. Yeah. Oh. But then that other dude... Oh, okay. Yeah, but you're right. Like, then when she goes to the toy store, she has an, she's almost immediately in a fight with Hoffman because he says, I don't make those. Right. So, I mean, obviously, Weird. he's lying because why else would Lazar say that that's where he got them, right? Like, right. So, anyway, uh, Hoffman is basically just trying to rebuff Diana um, because he knows that questions are going to mess up his plan because we know he's the bad guy. We just don't fully know what exactly he's doing. Um And he says he doesn't make things that small, that his area of expertise is in these big life-size toys, which is Mm -hmm. horrifying. Really horrifying. Um, But he's like, but, oh, I was kind of rude to you, so let me give you this little, like, memento as recompense. And he gives her, like, a tiny toy Santa. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she leaves, and when she does, he immediately turns, like, the sign from open to close. (laughs) <laughs> and he walks over to this um, 
so he makes life-size toys, but what he has made, in this case, is a miniature plane. Um, hmm. He's a weird guy. Well, it's not really miniature, I guess. It's like, I don't know, it's a remote control plane, but it's big for, mm-hmm. it's big for a toy plane, but it is obviously not the size of a plane. Um, right. And, and it's, we all are like, oh, he's about to do something bad, you know? Yeah. Um, cut to Diana's driving home from the toy store, and there's this, like, sound in the air, and I was like, oh, it's like a drone. A drone is following her. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and so the plane has caught up to her, and it starts dropping. I don't really know what they are. I just called them little bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have been something else, but it starts dropping little bombs on her car. So she kind of like pulls over and then jumps from the car. Like she transforms into Wonder Woman and then she jumps from the car up to catch the plane out of the air, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, yeah. and when she does that, she notices that the Santa that she had just been given was like the homing device. For the plane, oh, yeah, yeah. Which mm-hmm. I, of course, knew immediately, like, well before that was revealed. And I was like, <laughs> why is Wonder Woman so stupid sometimes? Like, <laughs> that's obviously what was happening. Um, yeah. This is the part where you got confused. So yeah, I think so. We just saw that whole sitch happen. And then yeah. we cut back to the toy store where Hoffman, on the one hand, is feeling very smug because he think he he thinks he's solved the problem of this woman who was asking him questions. Mm-hmm. Then it's revealed that he has made a Wonder Woman android. Yeah, this is what messed me up. I didn't pick up on that part though. When I got confused, I was like, "That's probably what I missed." But <laughs> yeah, so the Wonder Woman's identity of Diana Prince is secret. Like, so nobody knows that Diana Prince is Wonder Woman. She's like Clark. Okay, so she is like Clark Kent, uh, Superman. That right. is sort of the, yeah. Right. Okay. So Hoffman has made this Wonder Woman android based on the public appearances of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know that he has also already spoken to the actual Wonder Woman. <laughs> so that's... Where that's going. Um, the joke's on him. Yeah. So then we return back to headquarters, and Diana is explaining to Steve and Dex about this toy plane attack. Um, and then Dex is like, oh, I stopped by to see Dr. Lazar, but he wasn't there. And Diana's like, yeah, well, after the medical examination, I decided that he wasn't safe, and so I've moved him to a secure location and Dex is like okay great but like since I'm like the boss of this company or whatever the hell like you where is he I need to know and (laughs) Diana's Mm -hmm. like I refuse to tell you and then Dex is like he it it's almost like when a kid when two kids are like in a fight like Dex like Mm -hmm. stamps his foot and like turns to Steve and is like make her tell me and (laughs) um Steve is like no it's she's right it's better for as few people as possible to know where this guy is like yeah um and so dex gets really fucking upset um like irrationally so (laughs) um 
And then, and that seems strange to Diana. So then she goes to talk to Ira about it. And she's asking information about Dex's background. Mm -hmm. And um, this was funny to me because she's like, can you like go through the list of like known associates and um, yeah, known associates, friends, colleagues, whatever. Mm -hmm. And... Ira goes through the list and he's like, yeah, it all seems normal to me. And she's like, is there anything unusual about anything? And he's like, well, all I can say is that information has been deleted, but it was classified. So I can't tell you what information was deleted. Um, and she's like, okay. And then she asks something, but basically she winnows it down that in this list of known associates, there's a blank space in the H last name section. Mm-hmm. And she's already met Orlick Hoffman. So she's like, mm. ah, that's a guy from his past. Dex knows this guy. And now she's convinced that Dex is involved in this and is the bad guy. Um, and I mean, circumstantial to say the least, yes, but yes. cool. <laughs> uh, as, you sit, as you see in my outline, my response to this is like, this seems pretty flimsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how well that would hold up, but, like, go for it. Just, I mean, like, this is very... Gut. So, I I just have been um, watching the second season of Tiger King over the past, like, Oh, my days, God. And the, the weird thought processes that Diana is going through is very similar to a lot of people in that show, where they're like, I just sort of thought, like, if this isn't here, then that must mean something. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. no that's why is that no, what you put that's together not how yeah. anything works that's funny like, i need that reminds me i need to watch that um we're back in the toy store now and now it's revealed that absolutely dex is the bad guy dex and hoffman mm. are working together their and their plan is that they need to steal all of these scientists and then i guess they're gonna like human traffic them Nice. Yeah. To whoever wants the weapon Project XYZ made. And okay. what and the motivation on Dex and Hoffman's part is that they're gonna be paid for human trafficking these guys. Okay. That's, that, that's what I surmise anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but Dex in particular is really getting quite upset um because Diana now, to be clear, Dex also doesn't know that Diana is Wonder Woman. And does anybody? Nobody, nobody knows. knows. As far as I... Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't even think Steve okay, okay. knows. I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, so, um, So, he's getting irritated because he's like, she's on to me. Um, and we need to do something to kind of get her off the board, right? Like, mm-hmm. knock her out. So, he comes up with this plan. The plan is, is that he calls up Diana and says, um, I know where Prescott and Tobias are. I've figured out where they are. Um, Mm -hmm. Why don't you come and help me kind of like collect them? And she's like, I'm not so sure that's a good idea. Um, I think I kind of need to be more on top of like staying with Lazar. And then Mm -hmm. Dex has a recording of Steve's voice that says, like, 
come here. It will be fine. We need you here. You know, and I'm like. Never trust anybody on the phone, I feel like. Yeah. Only a video call can Yeah. Be if they're telling you something nefarious, I'd be like, I need to see your face tell me And it. then even now, even that's probably not as reliable. Yeah, it could be a deep fake. Yeah. You never know. Um, so, but Neela, but I think actually, um, Diana already kind of knows what's happening. So she plays along with this. So she is smart. Yeah. So she goes to, I mean, she guessed that Dex thing from that one weird clue. I know. Maybe Amazonian people have like even better brains than we do. Maybe. Um, so she arrives at this meetup spot and she encounters, and I do think this was a surprise for her. She encounters an Android version of Wonder Woman. Yes, this is where I got confused. I really don't think she thought that was going to happen. I don't yeah. think she was fully, like, she anticipated quite a lot of these plans, but I don't think she saw. Yeah, in- that one caught her by yeah. surprise. Um, but needless to say, she rolls with the punch pretty quick because, and maybe maybe it didn't matter that it was one Android Wonder Woman who captured her, but I, she wanted to be captured. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that was the point. Cause, yeah. Because she knew that the other scientists were not going to be at this meeting, fake meeting that Dex said, but that I guess she assumed that she would find them when she got taken prisoner by him, which is a big leap, actually, now that I'm saying it. But that's what she planned. Mm-hmm. So now we're back in the toy store basement. Um, and Dex, in particular, is is increasingly agitated about, like, is this plan going to work? Because they still haven't figured out where Dr. Lazar is, and if they don't have all three scientists, then whoever they're trafficking these scientists to uh, will probably kill them, Mm -hmm. is the implication. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So, Android Wonder Woman then carts... Uh, Diana into the basement and they drug her. They've got a lot access to quite a lot of different types of drugs that make people do things or not do things as the case may be. Um, In the case of Diana, what she's been given is supposed to be some sort of a truth serum sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Because once that kicks in, Dex starts questioning her about where Lazar is, what kind of security is with him. Um, And the whole time, Dex is, like, smiling to himself, like, I have, you know, got this all figured out. This dumb bitch doesn't even Mm -hmm. know what's happening. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So once he gets the information about where Lazar is, um, he's like, well, I'm, he tells Hoffman, I'm off to, like, find this other scientist I'll be back. And Hoffman is like, well, what do you want to do with her? Her being Diana. And mm-hmm. I, he doesn't say it in so many words, but basically he's like, well, when all's said and done, we'll just get rid of her. Um, problem solved. <laughs> uh, so he leaves. Meanwhile, Hoffman and Android Wonder Woman have stayed behind, and their job is to take the two other scientists that are also in this basement of a toy store um, in a cage, they're mm-hmm. loading them into this van. Um, they also seem to be passed out as well. Um, 
so there's just like a lot of different drugging happening. Yeah. Um, now this is what I was wondering about this. So as that's all happening, Diana wakes up or like comes to, and I almost wondered like if maybe that truth serum drug never worked on her. Like if she was just hmm. pretending. Mm-hmm. I think she, I don't know. I don't know maybe. the answer, but I wondered if she was like yeah. pretending to like kind of put Dex onto a wild goose chase Mm-hmm. And then she was going to do her plan because... That would be smart. Maybe I it doesn't think, work on her because she's an Amazon yeah, again. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because um, that certainly seems to be what happens because then she transforms into Wonder Woman and then Android Wonder Woman and regular Wonder Woman have a pretty good fight. Um, mm-hmm. I would say I enjoyed watching that quite a bit. <laughs> um... But, wait, where's the thing? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, so while, while watching this fight, um, they're fighting in this basement, and so they're fighting around, like, a bunch of toys um, mm-hmm. and, like, bashing into toys and all kinds of things. And then there are also just, like, random cutaway shots of toys that are, like, on mm-hmm. shelves. And in my handwritten notes, I just wrote, toys equal hideous. Like, they were all some of the most <laughs> off-putting looking toys. It was like those, um, a lot of, they were all, an- like, animatronic type toys. Or like, yeah, I don't know what they're called. Like, the and ones the only that, like, Christmasness move. about any of this episode is that they play a little bit of Christmas music in the background sometimes. And when you come out of an apartment, yeah. there's some tinsel. Right. And the toys kind of have a running, like, Christmassy theme with the toy soldier and stuff. Yeah. But other than that, there's not even... Is Christmas even mentioned? Uh, at the really? end, I suppose. Well, because oh, okay. there's a part where Steve asks Ira what he should get for Diana for Christmas. Okay. And then the computer is like, you know Diana, you should ask her yourself. <laughs> like, um, So there's those kind of throwaway things. Okay. Um, so this, but the fight between these two Wonder Women from the audience perspective is a bit ambiguous as to who has won. Um, okay. But this is all part of the plan, I guess, because Hoffman believes he's with Android Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And because he sees some of this fight as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when he meets up with Dex at this, like, location where they're meant to find all three scientists, he's like, oh, we had a little bit of trouble. Wonder Woman showed up. And Dex is like, what are, what are you talking about? You know, um, that's going to ruin everything. And Hoffman is like, no, no, everything's fine. My android worked. Um, and what we think to be android Wonder Woman is like, yes, everything is fine. And so... Now they have all three scientists. They've loaded them into the back of this van. Um, But Dex is still suspicious. He still thinks that perhaps the woman he's seeing is not Android Wonder Woman, but regular Wonder Woman. Um, Mm. So I I forget exactly what happens to really push him over the edge of of suspicion. But then he starts Mm. shooting at her. Well, uh, with a gun uh, that he brought with him from home, I guess. Um, 
And she blocks all of those with her special bracelets. Those are also special. Those I would like. Yeah, those are special from the comic. I don't totally know what. Yeah, I feel like that sounds familiar. I don't know what their like power is, but so she blocks them off. Meanwhile, that's happening. Meanwhile, Hoffman has started running away, and how does she stop him from running away? She stops him with her crown. Yeah, she like throws it like a boomerang, and it like which. Yeah. Is wild. I no, know. I don't know. I <laughs> And, like, but the shot was hilarious because she throws this thing. You see a shot of, like, a crown swirling around in the sky. And then you see mm. it, like, just fucking peg this guy in the <laughs> knee and he drops to the ground. <laughs> and I was like. Love that. All right. Cool, man. Um, and then she captures the van. And so, like, everything is now great. Um, yep. The final little bit is we're back at headquarters and Steve and Diana are talking about how Dex has gone, you know, bad and mm-hmm. they they now have all three scientists in their mm-hmm. control. Um and and this is where I got a little bit confused. Diana's like let's let Dex and Hoffman believe that their plan has worked. I'm not sure how they could believe that because she just stopped them. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. But anyway, um, so what they do is they send Android. Ver- they've apparently made new Android versions of all three um, scientists and they, Oh, that's what it is. So she also has knockout juice or something. Because oh. she, like, she, once she captures everybody um, at the van, like, drop-off spot, she, like, drugs Hoffman and Dex so that they don't remember what happened. Mm-hmm. And then she, she like, I guess they load up this van with androids of all three guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they got those. Yeah, and what are they going to do with them? Well, that's the whole thing. So they... they oh. Put that so they filled these guys up into the van. Dex and Hoffman mm-hmm. wake up thinking we've foiled everyone, everything worked great, and they go off to complete their mission of delivering these three scientists to whoever human trafficked them. And Steve and mm-hmm. Diana are in the bushes watching Dex and Hoffman drive off, thinking that they've had a, they've been successful. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Steve and Diana are Diana are laughing about how whenever they get to where they're supposed to have delivered these men that mm-hmm. when it's when it becomes clear that they're androids that Dex and Hoffman will get killed by these people mm. and they're like giggling about it <laughs> and I was like <laughs> wow guys you are like some cold motherfuckers like <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ um and then the final scene the final shot really um, that reminds us that all that we have watched has, in fact, been a Christmas-inspired episode. <laughs> what is it? What do we see? Wonder Woman spray paints Chris- Merry Christmas in the window. Mm-hmm. She returns to the toy store, which now presumably is closed forever, um, and paints Merry Christmas in the window. And then the final shot is really great because it is just, like, such a beauty shot of... Linda Carter, she does the whole, like, hands on hips, 
mm-hmm. I think like there's a slight wind blowing through her hair, and you're just mm-hmm. like, "Way to go, Wonder Woman!" Kapow! <laughs> yep. And that's it. Episode concluded. Merry fucking Christmas to everyone. Wow. Um. So. I mean, it's more Christmassy in terms of like. Uh, sweet vibe than like Jack Frost I suppose <laughs> yes that's true it's slightly less Even menace, though, menacing and violent than that yeah but there still is a lot but of death still. and mayhem and or it's Im- true well that I guess the difference is it's implied in this one rather than uh explicit that's the difference yeah yeah um, okay on to yawns and eye rolls one yawn is this was scintillating. I just loved every second and was super engaged. And Tanyans okay. is like, this was Nap City and I couldn't care less. What would you give <laughs> it? Uh, I think I might, for me, put this right in kind of the middle. I think I would do five. Okay. Because I definitely was a bit distracted and, you know... My focus was pulled in other directions <laughs> at times when it seemed a little slow. Fair enough. Um, I will give it more of a three um, mm-hmm. because I was shocked when I like was looking at IMDb for various informations. I was shocked to learn that it was a solid 48-minute episode. I was like, wow, that felt like time just blew by <laughs> in this yeah. episode. Um so I will go three in that regard. Um, for okay. eye rolls, one eye roll is, it's a Christmas episode. What do you expect? Um, <laughs> and ten eye rolls is like, this is truly, there is no excuse for this. <laughs> what would you give hmm. it? I feel like I might be boring and go like right down the middle again because... It is a Christmas episode, and it is Wonder Woman. It is, like, um, superheroes. But, yeah, so I feel like it's middle of the road in terms of eye rolls. I mean, there was some craziness, like all these melting androids and stuff. But I wasn't that phased by that, I guess. Yeah, I. Th- this is a struggle for me because, like, the whole thing was silly. Yeah, uh, like the silliness factor was exceptionally high across the board. Yeah, which then made what could have been eye rolly less so just by context. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll I'll stick with you and do a five as well <laughs> in that sense. Um, and so then finally, did you like this, and would you recommend it? Um. Yeah, I mean, I liked it fine. I don't know. Again, it's probably, it's not totally, like, superhero stuff is not totally my jam. So, not sure that I would, like, personally revisit it. But I would not be embarrassed to recommend <laughs> this to someone who was a fan of superhero stuff. I believe it's fun yeah. for what it is, you know. Yeah. I definitely liked it. I mean, feast your eyes on Linda Carter if yeah, you want. Like, I mean, sure. Honestly, like, just... That alone is worth the 48 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I also liked it for sure. Uh, definitely a solid recommend. Um, also just for like the fun of like, I really like 
watching old stuff just to see like how it looked even you know like Mm -hmm. um how stuff was done what production value we get like what kind of that sort of thing and this really delivers on that element as Mm -hmm. well well awesome this was excellent uh an excellent (laughs) installment in our christmas season series don't worry we're not done yet (laughs) oh no far from it we've got so many things <laughs> that we need to... Ex- so much Christmas to come. Indeed. Christmas will be in our hearts every day of the year, right? Aww. Christmas was inside of us all along. What other kinds of things oh, can wow. I say? <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Amy. I am Sarah. And as always, we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.